You've made it through the weekend to another Monday, and here on The Inner Life, that means it's Monday Pun Day. Yesterday, I accidentally swallowed some food coloring. The doctor says I'm okay, but I feel like I've died a little inside. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, and thanks for tuning in to this hour of on-air and online spiritual direction, where our top-notch spiritual directors are here to give you some encouragement and inspiration for your journey with Jesus today. I'm your host, Patrick Conley. A couple years back, I began teaching religion at our local Catholic school, as well as helping out with some religious ed classes for those kids who attend the public school in our town. Although I've had quite a bit of experience teaching adults, anywhere from college age on up, this is my first real foray into teaching kids and teens. Add that to the fact that, or add to that the fact that my wife and I have not been blessed with kids of our own. And I got to tell you, the learning curve is pretty steep. But even though I've got a lot to learn, on the whole, I'm enjoying it. I mean, kids ask some fantastic questions regarding the faith, and I find myself often learning from them. They have different ways of thinking and acting that changes and morphs as they grow. And it's been a privilege to see, even in a couple of years, how they change and grow mentally and spiritually. Now, there are challenges, of course. Short attention spans, peer pressure, and apathy, just to name a few, are constant issues that I deal with regularly. And perhaps the most frustrating thing is that there are no guarantees. As impassioned as I am about the faith and as intriguing as I try, as I try to make it be with the help of Christ to hand it on and make it, make it relevant to them, there's always the persistent realization that, try as I might, these kids, they're unique individuals with their own free will. And they may or may not choose to cultivate their faith. It's obviously great fodder for prayer. Well, all this has given me a great respect for you parents who are diligently trying to hand on your faith to your kids in some way that they will make it authentically their own. And even though there are no guarantees, I admire the tireless efforts that so many parents make in trying to help their kids develop a relationship with the Lord. So today on the program, we're talking about raising your kids in the faith. We'll look at some of the challenges and how to address them, as well as sharing some wisdom from our spiritual director on things to do to offer your children many opportunities to encounter the Lord and to respond to him in faith. We'd also love to hear your suggestions, too. So let's say hello to our spiritual director for the hour. Joining us again today is Father Chris Walsh, pastor of St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia. Father, welcome back to the program. Good to have you with us again. Thank you so much, and Happy New Year to you and all of your listeners. A great joy to be with you. Yeah, great, Father. It's great to be with you as well. Now, Father, um, I'm sure that uh, you have uh, many opportunities to interact with parents who are expressing both joys and concerns about raising their kids in the faith. Now, this is this is not a small topic here. It is not at all, and it's something that, as you mentioned, it's, it's not a perfect recipe for success. It's not do this, do this, do this, and you'll have a lifelong Catholic, sadly, right? Um, yeah. Free will is involved, the, 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 the concupiscence, um, yeah. the friends that they choose. 
you know, and the other environments they place themselves in. But I would say, you know, as I interact, we're blessed to have a large uh, Catholic school here. We have a number of kids in our religious education program as I'm at CYO Sports, you know, and then often in the confessional, folks who have are feeling like they're a failure, that they did something wrong with their adult children who they poured into and sadly are not there. Yeah. Now, saying that, I also say I'm blessed to see so many parents who are experiencing success, whose kids are hungry for the faith, and, and who are just trying to figure it out day by day. And so I'm just so grateful to be a part of this conversation because I've learned so much from so many of these parents. Yeah, yep, true enough. If I, if it's not too uh, personal of a question, Father, can I just ask you, what was your experience learning the faith? Did you learn it at home, at school, both? And Yeah, yeah, a little bit of everything. So I, I was blessed with uh, parents who were both practicing Catholics, um, they certainly were uh, of their own generation. If they were alive today, they'd both be in their in their nineties, born in nineteen thirty one, um, and so it was going to mass. It was it was praying grace before meals, but it was also a subtle way of forming us. Certainly, making sure we went to confession a few times a year um, before Christmas, before Easter, other times when we did something seriously wrong. I remember getting caught in a, you know lying and stealing. And okay, besides your punishment. You have to go to confession. You have to you have to acknowledge this and those sort of formative things. I think the way we sat around, we dyed Easter eggs and we made Easter baskets for my grandparents and we visited graves of, of, of grandparents and other relatives who died. I think that was a way that they formed us in the faith. There certainly weren't a lot of the resources. I'm the generation before Veggie Tales and long, <laughs> long before the Internet. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember getting different uh, Lives of the Saints books and mm -hmm. talking about that. I remember in-depth conversations with my parents about which saint I would choose as a confirmation name. Um, you know, so, so those types of things. And, and, and in high school when I was working and other demands on schedule, just their constant reminder that Mass was a priority. And we were blessed to have a parish with a 4 p.m. on Sunday that took away lots of the excuses. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but I think also as I got older, seeing that my parents' faith was real to them and, and, and engaging in conversations with them as an adult sort of solidified that what they taught me as a child was real to them. And I think mm -hmm. that's the most important thing as we talk about all the things that parents can do. Uh, most importantly is solidifying their own faith as being real. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Okay, so I have to ask, Father, so who did you select as your confirmation patron? Patrick. <laughs> you know, what Irish, what Irish kid does not choose Patrick? And uh, he was the one grandparent I didn't know. My father's father died young, and we heard stories about him. We often visited his grave. And I think part of it was my connection to this, uh, this grandfather, um, you know, who, who was a man of faith, even despite his own struggles. He died very young. Uh, that's great. Uh, well, I mean, it's not great that he died young, but it's great yeah. that uh, uh. it was such an important part in your in your faith development as well. Well, let's take a look at our Lord. I mean, today we're celebrating the baptism of the Lord, and, and it's a it's a great thing. But we've come out; we're just rounding out the Christmas season here. And of course, there's always that discussion about the the hidden years there between um, the flight into Egypt and the return. The finding in the temple uh, when he was 12 years old, and then, it, you know, silence up until... But what do you think the family life of Jesus was like? I mean, we're told that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Any just kind of insights into that, Father? Sure, sure. We know that um, 
like all first century Jews, uh, prayer was primarily in the home and the teaching of the faith was primarily in the home. Although today, things like uh, Hebrew school are normative, uh, most of that is sort of an imitation of, you know, religious ed in America from the Christians and Sunday school. Yeah. I think it would have been more normative that Joseph and Mary taught Jesus how to pray in Hebrew, um, the ritual cleansings, and all of the things that were so normative to Judaism. Probably by the age of eight or nine, he's going with Joseph to the synagogue each morning and, and, and likely each evening for prayer. Any of our listeners who have had the privilege of being in Nazareth, they don't know exactly where the synagogue was, but Nazareth was not a very big town. And so it would have been, you know, just walking over there for 15, 20 minutes. Jesus would have often counted as what's called the minyan, the, the group of 10 Jewish men. Um, and, and, and again, certainly the bar mitzvah was an important moment. The first time that Jesus gets up to read, you know, in the, in the, sure. in the temple in the synagogue and he would have continued but i think he especially would have learned it from his mother and father mary and joseph would have had a key role in teaching him jewish prayer and teaching him jewish rituals and teaching him the practice of of why they didn't eat certain foods and why they didn't eat certain foods together and so in his humanity he's picking all of that up uh from his parents and grandparents and of course when he goes to visit john the baptist and 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 his uh you know her, his parents that whole experience where faith was just imbued entirely in the life of the first century people yeah yeah and i think it's it's significant to point out as well that uh, of course you know jesus himself is shown to have a, a particular fondness for for children a particular love for children if you will i mean it's not it's not just the case that you know jesus was kind of reserving all of his uh, his presence as well as his teaching just to adults and just to those who could reason on a mature adult level but you know uh, we're told that the children brought to him and he said uh, even in the midst of his disciples rebuking that, he said, "No, let them come. Let them come. Let Do not come. hinder them." Yeah. So there's a there's an importance of, about youth, about the kids too. You know, I read a book some years ago that um, uh, was talking about how NASA tried to figure out when imagination was at its at its high point as okay. a human being. Uh, it was fourth grade. Hmm. Fourth fourth grade students have the greatest imaginations. And having spent a lot of time with fourth graders, I, I agree. Okay. It seems to have most education experiences sort of we become more conforming, give the teacher what the teacher wants, those types of things, which is part of just the way that we, we learn. But when you think about a kindergartner, a first grader, a second grader, a third grader, boy, like their, their imaginations are great. And I think having a great imagination is an important part of a faith life. Hmm. Not that we're Not that we're making things up, but that we can have this this imagination of what life's going to be like in heaven, of, of what hope-filled life is like, what it was like for the saints to live, what the Bible stories were like. And when you do that with kids, it's it's wonderful, right? The delight of seeing children put on the Christmas story, or the delight of, you know, when I take our little ones to Eucharistic Adoration, they're speaking to Jesus from the heart about the grandparent who's sick or the, the friend who is sad. Jesus becomes very real to them. And I think Jesus himself, when he was with children, right, and as a respected rabbi and as a friend to many and spending time in homes, right, generations lived together. So when he was going to Peter's home, there were going to be kids there. 
right? They weren't, there, there weren't other, the, the, the kids weren't sent to the family room. There, there, there was one room. Everyone was together. Um, and so this would have been a normative experience in Jesus during his itinerant preaching to be around children and to respond to their natural desire for the spiritual, their natural openness to the eternal. And we don't want to lose that with the kids that we have an opportunity to help as well. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. We're talking about handing on the faith to your kids, about raising children in the faith. What are your suggestions about how you engage with prayer, with the faith? How do you pass the faith on, faith on to them? We'd love to hear from you. Our phone number is 888-914-9149. Maybe you have questions about particular situations that you are currently facing with your kids and you have, you'd like father's advice. Give us a call on our toll-free studio line, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. If you'd prefer, of course, you can send us an email. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Let's take a phone call. We've got Charles calling in from California. Charles, good morning. Welcome. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, so I know that um, a lot of parents uh, struggle with getting their kids to um, behave during the Mass, and, that, um, and that's very good. And I think once you do, it's also good to point out um, to them the parts of the Mass and how they relate to what Jesus did and the teaching about the Eucharist, but not just um, what we believe, but also why we believe it, because um, I think all of us, when we get older, we'll think more about why um, we do something, not just because our parents told us to. So, yeah. Charles, that's a really, really great insight, and thank you so much for your call. I, I think answering the questions that young people have, and uh, this was one of the points I was going to make, because sometimes parents will say, well, should we sit up front? Should we sit up back? We don't want to bother other people in the church. And, of course, the answer is, well, we'll do what works best for your kids. You know, do what works best for your family. And we certainly, at, at this parish and other parishes where I've been, there's families that choose to sit up front, and there's families that choose to sit in the back, all for different reasons. But, but I think being being able to be there sometimes early so the kids can notice things and having some sort of a children's missile and, and answering the questions about why we say this, why we do this. We did a teaching mass here at St. Cecilia's uh, back in the, in the fall, and we had a number of our second graders who are preparing for First Holy Communion, and, and they had some of the best questions, you know, things that all of us adults had taken for granted the young people had insights about you know why the priest put his hands there and why we said this and didn't say that why do we say things three times why not four things times and so i agree with you charles allowing young people to ask the questions and to understand never underestimate what a, what a young person can understand yeah charles if i may ask how old are you i'm 10 you're 10 wow and uh so that's a really good insight uh, for you especially at uh, so young an age and uh, have your parents would you say your parents are doing a great job in helping you to understand why we do things yes and all my brothers too yeah very good how many brothers do you have i have four brothers okay and where are you in the lineup charles are you the oldest or the youngest or in the middle i'm, I'm the second youngest okay very good well, Charles, thank you so much for the phone call. I appreciate your insights, and it's great to hear from you this morning on The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Well, Father, I mean, uh, yeah, the little child will lead them, right? I mean, that was that was some really great insight. In fact, I was just uh, at a, some formation this weekend, and that's exactly what they said, exactly what Charles just said. Tell them why. Don't just tell them what we're doing or what, why, or what we do, but tell them why we do. And it's that's, that's got to be really important. 
It, it is because otherwise they feel like it's all made up. And, you know, parents, you might not know the answer, right? Let's be honest. Sometimes kids ask me or adults ask me, yeah. Father, Father, why do we do this? Hmm, good question. Uh, and, and, and so I, I always practice with catechists, and I've said this on your show before, the most important line a catechist or a parent uh, can ever have in passing on the faith is, I don't know. Let I me find know, out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Let me Let me find out. That's the thing, and, yeah. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Father. No, and so I think, you know, allow the questions to come. Uh, that's the beauty of Catholicism, is that there is an answer. We are a rational religion based on sound teaching. And so even if you don't know it, there is a way to find it out. Someone will help you, which is why programs like Relevant Radio are so essential. Yeah, amen, amen to that. Well, and Father, I think the, that was something I was going to bring up later, but as long as we're on the topic. So, yeah, I would imagine that there are a number of parents out there who feel like, I, I just don't I just don't know. I just don't know enough. So so maybe that kind of frightens them into, I don't want to bring it up with my kid. But that that's probably from what I'm hearing you say. Obviously, that's, yeah, that's not I the think, right way to go. And I think that that's the case in pretty much everything with parenting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the kids are going to just challenge you on everything. You don't know everything about ballet, but you're taking your kid for ballet lessons. You don't know everything about soccer or basketball or art lessons or gymnastics. Uh, You you didn't know everything about RSV until your kid got RSV. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the whole experience of parenting is to to learn things over, to learn all the things that you forgot before. And and so there's nothing wrong with that. It's a very normal process. And and again, we kind of get all weird when it comes to faith. But, yeah, you don't learn it. And so you don't know it. So it's an opportunity to learn it. We've got the Internet for crying out loud. Go to good sites and all will be well. Mm, Very good. Our spiritual director today, Father Chris Walsh, pastor of St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia. We're talking about raising kids in the faith. If you have tips to share with others about how you hand on the faith to your children, or if you have questions about specific things that you are facing in your own family life right now, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 888-914-914-9 is our phone number. Let me try that again. 888-914-9149. That's it. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. we got more of the show coming up right after this short break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Teach your children well. Their father's hell did slowly go by. Yeah, very good. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for listening today. So we're talking about raising your kids in the faith. What are some things that you can do to help ensure, as we said at the beginning, there's no guarantees, but help ensure that your kids will have an authentic encounter with Christ throughout their lives and respond to him in faith. 
My name is Patrick Conley, our spiritual director today, Father Chris Walsh, pastor of St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia. One of the things, uh, Father, too, I think that might be important for kids is, especially if they don't have maybe a, a lot of regular interaction outside of Mass with the priest, is to kind of uh, not make the priesthood weird. And Nick and I, our producer Nick and I, were talking about that over break. Nick, you had a, an experiences or experiences like that that helped demystify the priesthood, yeah? Yeah, I think so, Patrick. Growing up, we had priests over for dinner a lot. And so I think that having a meal with a priest and hanging out with them at our house just made it really normal for us. And so I think having that experience and really seeing the priests as human beings and not sort of like really other or strange or, you know, we only see them shake hands after mass. I think that was really helpful for our um, family growing up. Mm, all right, right. Father, any other thoughts about how to how to make priesthood a little bit more normative in the family life? Certainly dinners are great, um, you know, and be patient. You know, sometimes people will call me and say, Father, we want to have you over for dinner. I say, great. And then I give them a date that's, you know, seven weeks from now, mm. um, you know, because there's lots of people inviting Father out and wedding rehearsals and evening meetings and whatever. Um, so, so that's always a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I think also just the way you speak about the priest when you get in the car after mass, right? Kids mm -hmm. are listening. Kids are listening, and um, you know, um, and 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 the gratitude. Uh, I think trying to allow your kids to meet religious sisters, which are rarer and rarer today. Um, we're blessed at our parish to to have nine uh, wonderful religious sisters, and so the kids get to see them. But but again, those experiences similar to what Nick was saying of, of, of sitting down when the parish has a social, going over to the table and sitting with the sisters as you're having coffee and donuts or, mm -hmm. you know, at, at the Christmas sing-along, whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I know lots of parents who will take trips to, to monasteries, you know. Uh, we're, we're blessed in a city like Philadelphia to have many cloistered religious communities, but I know other folks, when they've taken cross-country trips, they've stopped at a monastery that their kids could see this this aspect of of church life, right? So again, you're not going to the monastery every week, and, and you're not telling your kid to be a monk, but but it's no longer this strange idea, right? But it's but it's it's part of the faith, um, and, and sometimes it takes some planning. And when can you go? And could you go for evening prayer? But just these experiences that that get on the kids' radar screen. I think that's a great point, Father, and especially as we're continuing to, um, as I'm, as I'm continuing to wrestle with, you know, how to how to have these kids that are entrusted to me for religion classes and for religious ed as well. I mean, how how can we help them to encounter the faith on a more broad level? So it's not just you know my one little parish and my one little section of town or something like that, but it's but it's a. a it's a universal thing, right? It's the Catholic Church. So I think factoring in trips to, to monasteries, even to different parishes, maybe to cathedrals or something like that, that seems like a, a good a good way of doing it as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, um, you know, nowadays, if you can't go in person, um, you know, th th there's an opportunity to, um, you know, do things virtually as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, Father, um, maybe talk a little bit about, uh, and parents, I don't know if they get tired of hearing this or not. Maybe it's daunting, if they're, especially if they feel like they're not doing well in this. But um, let's talk a little bit about what it means that parents are the primary educators of the faith. That's uh, the role of parents in education, says the catechism, is of such importance that it's almost impossible to provide an adequate substitute. So talk a little bit about that, Father. Yeah, so on, on the day of baptism, 
uh, parents of a, of a child, anyone under 18, <coughs> are asked, you know, what, 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 is, what name have you given your child, right, Patrick Joseph? Uh, what do you ask of God's church? Uh, baptism. Um, and they say, you know, you, you're asking to have your child baptized. In doing so, you, mom and dad, are accepting the responsibility to train them in the practice of the faith, to teach them to love God and love others. Do you understand what you're undertaking? And I always joke with parents, they say yes, and I'm like, well, you, you really don't understand, but I'm glad you said yes. Um, <laughs> because like, they have no idea what they're getting themselves into in raising kids for the most part, unless they've done this already. Um, and, and we as a church stand with them to help them, right? to teach them, which is why good marriage prep is important and why good baptismal prep is important. And increasingly, parents are, are involved in the religious education programs, whether it's a school or, 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 or a prep type of program or school of religious education, that the parents have a role as, as well um, to help them fulfill that, right? For I think there were generations in the church where we, we basically told the parents, drop the kids off, we'll take care of this. Mm. And, and parents settled into that. They were, they were fine with that. But but we've realized, right? I think the certainly the pontificate of John Paul II sort of reset us that no parents have this role. And as a matter of fact, if the parents don't have the role and take the role seriously, that, then we're not going to get there because it's you know that you might you can have the best catechist, the best religion teacher in the world, it doesn't replace a parent, particularly mm -hmm. a father who's practicing the faith. Um, and, and so I think for parents to first off acknowledge that, that this is their job, just like they're to keep their kid healthy, just like they have to make sure that the kid goes to school, just like they make sure that the kid is emotionally well-balanced and cared for and feels safe. So they figure out little by little how to help them know God, how they help them create an imagination that leads to, to the glory of kingdom and what it's like to be a saint uh, in their place and time in history. Yeah, yeah. We are talking again about teaching kids the faith, about raising your kids in the faith. So if you have tips to share with us, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Want to get some other tips and suggestions on air? 888-914-9149 is our phone number. Or again, if you have questions, 888-914-9149. Well, Father, um, another thing that comes up is that uh, there's there's this mentality you were just alluding to it that yeah maybe maybe the understanding for parents may have is that okay well that means I'm going to I'm going to get my kid involved with uh, religious education I'm going to make sure that they get their sacraments at the appropriate times now that's important and that's significant I don't want to say that that's not maybe it's even making the choice to spend the extra money and send your kids to a Catholic school or something like that um, but just so we're clear even all of those things like you were just saying that doesn't take away the richness um, the the value of encountering the faith at home. You you are needed. It needs to be in the air that they breathe. And that's mm -hmm. going to be unique for every family. That's going to be unique, you know, for, 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 for each child. Um, I certainly took to religion different than my siblings. And I think my parents kind of did it the same for each of us. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's 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 going to be different. <laughs> yeah, it's going to, yeah, it's it's going to be different. Yeah, well, we've shared some practical tips already, Father, but I'm sure there's many, many out there. So, other thought, you know, priorities that parents can give their kids a well-rounded understanding of Catholic beliefs. I mean, any way, any partic particular things that you want to encourage them to do. 
Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I want to share two resources that a a, a, a woman I, I did her wedding, and she and her husband are blessed with four children, and and they just do a phenomenal job. And I started noticing actually on Facebook, um, you know, so when it was a, a, a epiphany, right? They they made different gifts and. And they brought them. They, the kids dressed up as kings, and they and they brought them. And I nice. see pictures. I p- see pictures of them having a cake on the anniversary of their baptism. And you know, I, I you know different things throughout the year with certain feast days. And I'm like, Ashley, where did you come up with this stuff? And 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 there's two resources. One is a website called Catholic Icing. Icing like icing on the cake. So mm. Catholic C A T H O L I C I C I N G. And the other is a book. Um, called the Catholic All Year Compendium, Liturgical Living for Real Life. Yeah, in which some parents have just put together ideas and resources. I know some teachers that try to do this in the classroom. I think it's much more impactful at home as the faith becomes real, as holy water becomes a part of the family's ritual, as kids receiving their parents' blessing becomes part of the thing. So again, I don't think any priest or or, or any catechist or any bishop expects parents to know everything, but just like every other aspect of your life, study, figure out how to do it, and, and, and together we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Catholic all year. That's what was going through my head. I've uh, had a couple of conversations uh, here on Relevant Radio uh, with Kendra Tierney, who is the founder of Catholic yeah. all year and teaching families to live Catholic all year. I think that's a great one. So catholicallyear.com, you can also find them online as okay. well. Let's go back to the phones. Kristen is calling in from Fort Myers, Florida. Good afternoon, Kristen. Welcome. Hi. I am calling because um, I'm an American Heritage Girl leader and... Um, I have a 13-year-old daughter, and being part of an organization like that um, through, like, the scouting program has helped me um, teach my daughter about our Catholic faith, and it's kept us on track, especially during these difficult times, um, having a middle schooler. And um, I just wanted to say um, I appreciate organizations like that that are available to um, us parents. I absolutely agreed. Because, again, this idea that no parent can figure this out on their own. We've got 2,000 years of church history. We've got saints that most of us have never heard of. And, and so to find the resources, but especially to have a group, what an amazing opportunity. So you're able to kind of figure this out with others as you're going through it. So so praise God for that. And, uh, uh, again, may, may, may others find out about it and, and find one in their area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good, Kristen. Thank you for the uh, thank you for the advice and the tip. Yeah, appreciate that as well. And if you have other suggestions, give us a call at triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Talking about raising your kids in the faith, and uh, I think that uh, maybe that's a good jumping off point, Father, to talk about those of us who either don't have kids of our own, or perhaps our kids are grown, we're empty nesters, and they're out of the house, and but there's still roles for us to do in helping bring the kids in our parish or in our midst, maybe in our community, in our town, in our neighborhood, um, into a deeper understanding of the faith as well. Maybe some ways that we can help out our local parish in helping parents. Yeah, so um, right now one of the priority areas for our parish is engaging um, families with, with children. Right, so like like many parishes, that's a demographic that's that's not represented as well as it should be, and and so we're doing a variety of things to help 
parents with, with young children um, return to the sacraments and return yeah. to an active practice of the faith. And one of the things that we've heard from another a number of families with young children, you know, preschool, early school age, is that when um, couples who have already raised their kids come up to them and say, listen, I know how tough it is getting two kids or three kids out the door and in church. Thank you for doing this. I remember doing it. I know the nightmares. I know they're forgetting the diaper bag and, and all of this kind of stuff. So never underestimate the value of thanking a parent. Or if a mom's there with two kids by herself or dad's there with the three kids by himself and someone's squirming, go over and introduce yourself and say, hey, you want me to sit with you? Right? We are a church community. We are the body of Christ. And so sadly... Many young couples at least feel if their kid cries, then the person down the pew is looking at them with disdain. And you know what? I know couples who have never gone back because of that. Praise God their faith yeah. was strong enough. They went somewhere else, right? They found another parish. But are we who don't have kids making those with, especially young children, feel comfortable, praising them, affirming them, thanking them for coming? A second practical thing, many parishes have what they call a cry room. Right at Saint mm -hmm. Cecilia's, we've changed it. We call it the Children's Chapel, nice. and we have we have a number of people who do not have young children themselves, but they've taken it upon themselves. After Mass, they make sure it's spruced up and things are wiped down. They keep it stocked with all sorts of children's religious books. There's one lady who finds activity sheets, you know, coloring sheets. And all that stuff is in there. And so resources. There's another parish that we visited that has an entire bookshelf of religious items, you know, for children and for parents to pass on the faith to the children. And there's people who are just keeping that stocked to give the parents the resources without having to spend any more money. Like we yeah. have to invest in these young folks and equip them to be the parents that we want them to be. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of the cry room, the children's chapel. Yeah. Very good, Father. I appreciate it. Now, what if there's a situation? I know that this can be this can be challenging and daunting and maybe even enough to have a parent say it's not really worth it. What if the uh, parent has not really done a lot in terms of helping their bring bring their kids into the faith up to a certain point, but now is feeling like, well, I just don't know even how to get started because my kids haven't had a lot of exposure to the faith up to this point in their life. Maybe they're, you know, preteens or maybe they're in their early teens or something like that. But I want to get started. But I, I feel like, you know, there's so much that has to be undone now. How, how might they get started in it if their kids are a bit older? Like anything else in, in our life of faith, start somewhere, right? Uh, again, we don't beat ourselves up so much if we didn't do educate our kids on finances or if we didn't educate our kids on healthy nutrition but at some point we make the decision you know what we're, we're not eating mcdonald's three nights a week like we're not going to do that and so we're going to start eating healthy um i think you call your pa pastor of a local parish and you explain the situation and you see how he responds and if it's not the response that is going to work for you then call the next pastor yeah. right um, the reality is that not every parish is the same and not every parish has the resources to accompany every family in every situation. 
right? It, it's just not the case. And so that doesn't mean that the parish is bad. They might be doing a really good job with, with the homeschooling segment, or they might be doing a really good job with their parish school, but maybe they don't have a religious education program that can prepare a 13-year-old for baptism. But doesn't mean the next parish over can't. Right. And so maybe ask for a recommendation and more and more parishes are working together. Um, right now, we're, I'm meeting this afternoon with, with a mom who is in a similar situation. She kind of was away for a while, but but, but now she's back and, and she really wants to be back. And, she, you know, we, we have a policy that kids should be in religious ed for two years before they receive sacraments. But you know, she wants to do some homeschooling and she's talking about how enriching it is for her to do the homeschooling uh, and to teach her child the faith. And, and so might that be possible for this child to receive First Communion with, with the other kids that he's in religious ed with? Well, sure, it's a possibility. I, I'm not, I can't say yes right now, but it's a possibility, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we as a church are increasingly understanding of situations and want to walk with people. Sacraments are not the reward at the end of the journey. They're nourishment for the journey. We want long-term relationships with people um, and accepting them as they come gosh, in all sorts of circumstances. Yeah, right. Our spiritual director again today, Father Chris Walsh, pastor of St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia, talking about raising your kids in the faith. If you have tips to share or questions to ask, our phone number here at The Inner Life is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Got more of the show coming up. We're going to take another short break, but we'll be back with more right after this. Stay with us. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas. to the inner life here on relevant radio my name is patrick conley my thanks to nick sentovich our producer and thomas Angusser taking your phone calls today as well as to our spiritual director father chris walsh as we talk together about raising your kids in the faith once again if you have questions or suggestions to make our phone number here at the inner life is 888-914-9149 let's go back to the phones deacon will is calling in from arizona good morning deacon welcome uh yes good morning uh, nice to speak to you this morning Yes, I've been involved in CCD, uh, the old-fashioned way of catechetics talk, eh? for a number of years. And one of the things I heard recently here from the Diocese of Phoenix instruction is it's important for us to teach our children, the teachers of our children as well, that unlike geography or math or any other studies, uh, the study of our faith is something you not only learn, you own it. The idea of of ownership uh, gives us an, uh, a direction in knowing the mind of God. And uh, all of that fits so well together when it's a matter of taking ownership and what you're uh, learning. That's a really great point. And, and again, um, and I think before the kids can own it, hopefully the parents own it, right? The parents are able to sort of uh, be present in, in that way. And, um, and and that's why long-term accompanying and relationships are so important so that there's an opportunity for people to own it. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it is an excellent point, that that idea of ownership, which is um, 
Well, you know, it's taught and caught, right? I mean, it's something that you can tell them, and uh, but it's also something that they have to see that uh, I, I own this, but I want you to own it too and make that. Well, Charles, our first caller, our 10-year-old caller, said the same thing. He said, yeah, it's not just because your parents do it or parents tell you to, but you need to make it your own as well. Deacon Will, thanks for the call. Great point. I appreciate you doing that, you calling in. Um, so, Father, another question uh, that I, I'm just wondering about specifically is, what if one of the spouses in a family is more engaged in the faith than another? Um, so you might be might be kind of fighting on a on a different front that way. Yeah. So this is a, a larger question, right, Patrick? About yeah. when 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 the scriptures urge us to not be unequally yoked. Um, some years ago, a friend of mine was working at uh, a college in New Jersey, and uh, he partnered up with a, a rabbi who who worked in ministry on the campus as well, and. They would do a uh, a workshop open to the entire college, which was uh, titled, you know, does it matter what religion the person is who you marry, right? And the answer was not right now. So what they what they did was they had data on the ages at which people got married, and at that point the average age was twenty seven, right? So the average American was getting married at twenty seven. It's probably a little higher now. Um, but okay. then they superimposed another question, which is, at what age is religion important to you? And according to the research they had done, which I think was from Pew, um, uh, the age at which religion was almost most irrelevant in someone's life was between the ages of 25 and 27. Hmm. So, so religion doesn't matter oftentimes when people are getting married. However, from 27 on, especially as you have children, you face challenges in life, you face the death of your parents, well, guess what happens? The questions of religion, the questions of faith become more important. And so it's why within marriage prep, as much as possible, we try to talk about that. If people are in different places, what does that look like for them as they try to practice independently of why it does matter that there's a respect and a and, and really a commitment to a value around raising the children in the faith. Because it's one thing for me to say, okay, I don't have a problem if the kid gets baptized. Yeah, but then every Sunday, if mom or dad is mocking the kid going to church, well, what, what's there, right? So I think, to be fair, I think parents need to try to get on the same page and come to some agreement. Um, it is a difficult situation, particularly if the parents are no longer together. And maybe one parent has come back to the faith in the midst of difficulties and they want to have the child baptized the other parents saying well i don't care you can do what you want well yeah but are you going to block it are you going to block the practice of the faith because we're not just talking about being baptized we're talking about being a catholic we're talking about sacraments we're talking about going to mass we're talking about living a lifestyle having a worldview um and and so while i would never discourage someone from having a child baptized or enrolling them in religious ed i do think sometimes there needs to be a little bit more homework mm-hmm. of, of getting the quote-unquote uh, non-practicing parent um, on board. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's not going to be ideal. It's not going to be ideal. And many parents are heroic in individually passing on the faith, heroic, making sure the kids get to mass, encouraging the faith, putting up with mockery and persecution in the home, yeah. right? It, it happens a lot, and these parents are heroic for doing it, um, all with the hope, Right. Again, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know what St. Augustine's father was like, um, but we know what his mother was like. Right. 
yeah, good somewhere. point. Right. Well, and I mean, heaven forbid, let's uh, let's hope that not too many parents are facing that where they're actually the kids are receiving mockery and persecution from another parent in the home. But one place that they're almost assured to receive it at some way, in some way, shape or form is outside the home. Maybe that's in a school setting or maybe that's in just a a, a group of friends or something like that. We had an email, an anonymous emailer uh, emailed and said, when all of our children were growing up, we attended Mass weekly. She says that the neighbors went occasionally, and the children actually told my daughters that, quote, they were weird because you don't have to go to church every Sunday. Mm. Um, so, I mean, we also need to get our, our kids ready to receive some of this type of mockery and persecution that you were just talking about. Yeah, Father. right. That's, that's right. Um, and, and that's certainly increasing in, in, in the world we live in. <clears throat> Although in some ways, I've heard lots of other people say, like, religion is almost like a non-factor. So it's, it's no longer mocked. It's almost like this mystery, like, wow, you go to church? Hmm. What, wow. you're and, I, and I've had families talk about that where, uh, and, it's, and it's a heartache, right? When, when no one they know goes to church. Yeah. Um, you know, where they show up, you know, we've had parents that bring their kids early in the morning, receive ashes and, and the kids are unsure. Should I go to school with this? Or kids will say, what, what is that? They don't even know what it is. Forget about the mockery. They're just totally ignorant. Yeah, it's a it's an important point, Father. It's a, it's important indeed. Yeah. Well, we're talking again about raising your kids in the faith. Got time for a couple more phone calls. So if you'd like to give us a call, ask your question, 888-914-9149, or give us your suggestion, 888-914-9149. One question that comes up too, Father, is what about adult kids, kids that have left the 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 home, so they're out living on their own now, but they're even uh, perhaps as adults, they're making choices away from the faith they're straying from the faith yeah yeah it's it's a heartache right yeah. it's a heartache because because they're rejecting something that was so important to the parents they're rejecting something that was probably so essential and 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 invested in with great care um we are people of hope we are people of hope we realize that besides the parents there's lots of other influence right mm-hmm. um friends teachers um co-workers, people they date, and all the stuff that the kids encounter on their phone and on Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've had parents of middle schoolers just sort of shocked right now that their kids are coming home with sort of anti-Semitic uh, expressions. and like, where's this coming from? And then they realize, you know, Instagram or TikTok, right? Because the parents don't have total control. And so if the parents remain good witnesses, if they continue to reveal by their own lives that Jesus Christ is good and he makes a difference in lives and he makes lives better, then then the young person will make a decision on their own and parents continue to pray for their salvation. But we all have to work at our salvation on our own. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as long as a parent has no regrets um, and, and they shouldn't have, you know, unless they failed in some way, they gave bad example, well then apologize, apologize that you gave bad response, give example and, and, and start over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very good, Father. Appreciate that. Those comments as well. Um, maybe another another segment of the population: parents with kids who have special needs. Father, I mean, like you, you already said that some parishes, some Catholic schools, are not equipped to deal with all situations that a family might bring, and maybe some families with special needs are really hitting that frustration. Any advice to parents with uh, with kids with special needs? 
Yeah, I think that this is an area where <clears throat> most dioceses and parishes are, are, are trying to catch up. Uh, it's a challenge, whether it's uh, masses that are more sensory friendly and responsive, um, uh, flexibility with religious education, sometimes homeschooling. You know, we, we do want everyone to be at table. And so, again, I think if parents can presume the best and be patient, um, in many ways, parents have to educate uh, some of the folks that work in parishes, office, and religious education, and sometimes we priests, because we don't always understand it. And, and so, you know, coming almost with the solution, right? Yeah. Coming with the solution. This is how my child learns best. Would this be a possibility? Huh. Um, you know, um, so, so I've had situations where the child was going to, to Sunday Mass with the family, but they did not want First Communion at a Sunday Mass or a large Mass. And so they were so worried. And I said, well, what about a daily mass? Sure, there's no restriction. And the kid didn't want any fanfare. He just didn't want that. Okay, great. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Everything everything worked out well. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, very good. Well, Father, uh, <laughs> just any, uh, I guess, in our, in rounding out the conversation, and this is something I feel like we there's so many different aspects and 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 parts and pieces to it that, uh, you know, as you already said, I think to revisit a point that you said earlier about, you know, parenting doesn't come with an instruction manual, right? And so um, just to say once again that, that parents are needing to um, to be honest, to be real with their kids, to help them to engage and encounter with the faith, uh, even if they're not, you know, not particularly well-practiced or well-informed about the faith themselves. Try something. Try <laughs> something. Like every other aspect of parenting, you're going to fail a few times. Learn from that. Learn from that. Find other parents who can mentor you, whether in person or in all these moms groups, dads groups. <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. Well, one resource that I do want to point to people towards before you, uh, before we ask you. <laughs> Before we ask for your blessing, their father is uh, specifically, obviously, um, here at Relevant Radio. We are no substitute for faith-filled parents. Obviously, um, we're also no substitute for a parish. But you know what? We've got some things that we offer you. Um, coming to mind, of course, right at the top of the, right at the front of my mind is the Family Rosary Across America. And even if you don't tune in for the whole thing, let me just tell you that it's a, it's a, if you've not tried it, it's a very intriguing way of uh, entering into this prayer of the Rosary as well, because. Um, we're taking calls. We're showing pictures. If you're tuning in video for the live stream as well, we're showing pictures of families that are, are praying the rosary with us. We're sometimes taking taking uh, calls from kids as well. So it's a great thing to see that, you know what, there's other kids out there who are engaging with the faith as well. And I would also say, if you haven't checked out uh, some of the offerings from the Merry Beggars, I found that uh, at least the kids in my religion classes are very intrigued by them, by, very intrigued by the saint stories, for example, that are there on the Relevant Radio app and on RelevantRadio.com that you can uh, you can listen to, download that, and listen together as a family about some of those and have something to talk about as well. Don't need to be, no, no expertise needed because you'll learn right along with them. So check it out at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Father, thanks so much for being our conversation partner and spiritual director today. May we have a blessing from you, please. May Almighty God bless you, especially the parents who are caring for their families, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May Amen. Mary and Joseph pray for us and guide us. Amen. Yep, certainly true. 
Well, thank you so much, Father, for being our spiritual director. If you'd like to go back and listen to the show again or hear some of our other offerings we've got at relevantradio.com slash inner life. Check that out. Coming up tomorrow on the program, supporting your parish priest. We were talking a little bit about that today on the program. Many practical ways in which you can support your pastor, your parish priest. Our spiritual director will be Father Brian O'Brien. Stay tuned now for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Until tomorrow, grace and peace.